This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right, y'all. This episode is just coming in out of nowhere. It's like a Hail Mary that's going to bypass the episodes that we already have in the chamber with Rhino Hughes, Luke Story, Naveen Jane. We're just going to go ahead and bump up Mr. David Gonzalez here for today because by the time this is uploaded, tomorrow, that Thursday, I believe, is the internet marketing party to sort of catalyzing, launching off Paleo FX here in Austin, Texas. And if you are interested in experiencing any of that and or more potentially with me and part of my tribe, including my brother, um, having an immersion opportunity like no other, reach out to me personally about that. Um, on other news, this interview is just so wild to me. I, it's beyond words, so ohm you very much. I'll even definitely include another teaser of the Breaking Normal Audible at the end of this um, as an outro because it's very relevant considering the subject subject manner and don't forget next tribe design tribe design 12 june 13th june 13th um in amazing colorado to 16th and we will be celebrating the conclusion of it at the trevor hall Naco bear show at the red rocks amphitheater and we have early bird pricing um as long as someone has their application in before we commit to the property. Right now we're looking at a beautiful property in Breckenridge, Colorado, super private, right next to a river. The only issue is it only accommodates 30 people, apparently. So it might mean we're going to have one of those kind of French cuisine, quality over quantity type of tribe designs. So if you have been waiting to do this and you really want to do it, uh, let me remind you all the time is now, forever, as always. And I think this exploration with David is only going to remind you of that more. And definitely um, stay tuned in for the outro if you want to keep breaking normal even more. Much love, y'all. Peace. And <laughs> that you hearing is a man named David Gonzalez. And I'll tell you, it's not that I know much about him from the outside in. Um, other than that he seems to be one of the main, or the, I don't know if Wizard of Oz has a positive connotation, but for everyone, but I'm meaning it in a good way here. The Wizard of the Oz of the Internet Marketing Party that I've attended multiple times and really been blown away by. I've, uh, David, I don't know if you even know, I've been facilitating events for about 10 years. And my events are like more, they've been more th three to four night or more overnight retreats with the idea of connecting this group of people mm -hmm. more than they've ever been connected before. And really holding each other accountable to be their genius. And it's just like this group flow state, heart sync over group think, health through honesty type of experience. And there's this vibe that comes from that for me that I feel. And I, I feel that at those events. And it's a totally different scene. The ones I went to are like at a bar over in like a right. late night bar in downtown San Diego. And it's like a, almost challenging to even walk because the energy is so high and chaotic. But somehow the the group of people that are there, it's a 
it's so special so magical powerful it reminds me of the experiences i've aimed to facilitate or bring in so it's thank you that's the one thing i know about like the outside in wow that's that's quite the compliment because uh my experience of you having met you at uh jp's birthday party with a lot of high vibe people a lot of very you know people people that clearly are very intentional very mindful very aware and that care about depth um and it was a big quality group of folks um and uh you know i i got i got a whiff of i mean you know that some of the people that were there had met jp through you and you had met through you know it was mm-hmm. and so to hear i don't think i i've i've started becoming much more uh present and aware and interested in i've become a lot more uh internal intrinsically motivated than i was in the past and I think with intrinsic motivation comes presence and comes uh, an interest in things that matter to more than oneself. And um, internet marketing party, I've never thought of as something that was a high vibe or deep uh, place for depth. Um, and it wasn't like I set it out, set out to be set. Like, I, I don't like the way that sounds coming out of my mouth, but I will say that, um, depth has always been something I'm interested in, but I feel like I was doing internet marketing party for reasons that had nothing to do with depth. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I, I could see how that could sound surprising to you. And it might be my own personal experience I carry with me. I hope it's the case for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, uh, I'm not trying to say, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. Like your compliment about my event is wrong. That, that's it's weird because <laughs> I didn't mean. But uh, yeah, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> yeah. And that's I'm I'm letting people know a little bit about my intuition and as you mentioned we recently ran into each other at JP's house and I just we got to run into David I was like oh you're the guy I'm like oh my goodness okay because I, I one of the internet marketing parties I went to I was like in the thick of and I still am in the thick of creating this app called uh-huh. Breaking Normal yeah and it's just a much bigger undertaking than I originally realized it would be and especially the time and money so far. So I'm I'm in this position. I, I just became a new dad, and I'm in Encinitas at this time in the party, and I still am. My daughter's now out, just to turn two a few a little while ago, and um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna leave Encinitas. I, I I made myself a bubble. I've been traveling for about ten years, and I would go into a place for about a month and leave. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, I was in this place called Encinitas for 14 months and I barely ever left. I would just like walk around. I, I create, my wife created a nest for our daughter and I created like a bubble around our space. And when I heard this internet marketing party was coming to San Diego, I'm like, hey, I'm going to leave the bubble tonight because this is worth it to me. Oh, so I bought wow. a ticket right there. I bought the VIP right there. And I, I think I ran into Hollis Carter potentially yeah. Yeah. Um, right off the bat. And that was just like, the, that was just where the vortex began, synchronicity after synchronicity. And then, Jay Abraham is speaking this evening, and he's like the guest speaker, the keynote speaker. And I think at that 
point, I remember the marketing or his someone's marketing being like he's the eight billion dollar man or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he gave a powerful speech in a chaotic environment. Like it was just so cool. And he, it was almost like he was just coming from my perspective, coming out with this like frustrated fire. Like what the f- are you guys doing? I'm giving this wisdom and y'all are, he was even calling people out for like, yeah, you're keep drinking that beer. You idiot. I'm, I'm giving you this and you're drinking that shit. Like he was going crazy in my opinion, in a great way, very cool way. And he offered one question to ask just in like a real quick rampage. <laughs> this is all my judgment. I don't know if you agree or not. He asked for like, are, I'm going to answer one question and, I, and everyone around me didn't raise their hand. I was just like, what the heck? So I just like shot my hand right up and then you handed me the microphone and I got to ask them this question about raising capital for my app and it was just so special for me. So I am extremely biased too. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that most people are extremely biased <laughs> in the way that you are. Yeah. And apparently, I mean, you know, we, we at, at that parties that we do in San Diego, uh, which are typically the night before traffic and conversion summit. I always like to give them a, a shout out. Um, uh, Roland, Perry, Ryan, and uh, and Richard and the whole crew over there. Um, but uh, we get over a thousand people to that party, so you know apparently we're doing something right. Yep, yep, yep. All right, okay, okay. So I agree, I agree. So now, when I the, in the conversation that I um, when I ran into he, David at JP's house, he, there was one of my friends who's young and awesome, and I think David just went, went right into it. You kind of it was a great. I was just inspired by his conversation, and I believe you were asking about how do you where does your money come from, and how, oh, you yeah, being well, this young. I mean, and, I, I think I think that a little context is important. <laughs> Otherwise it's just going to sound like I just ran them. Please, I mean, please he, add he, he to that. He was running a hard, uh, like I asked him why he was in town. I assumed he lived in Austin, lived in Austin. And he said, no, I live in Montana. And I said, Oh, what, what brings you to town? And he said, I've got a client here. And I said, what kind of client? And he said, it's a real estate investor. And I said, Oh yeah. And he goes, yeah, I do hard money lending. And I was like, wow, like you don't look like a day past, 25 and you're you're lending money to real estate investors uh and i said do you mind if i asked how you made your money because i mean you don't you can't be lending things you don't have or do you arbitrage it that's what i asked him and uh nonetheless it was the that the details of that and just the energy of it was very inspiring it's one of my friends i i'll i don't think it's important that i share who it is specifically um and then I was like, bro, at that point, I was just like, I want to get this guy on my podcast. <laughs> I love doing podcasts because I can learn more about awesome people or people I judge to be amazing or uh, inspiring. Yeah. And this is holds a great container for that. Very cool. So I have three questions right now that Go are coming up. Shoot. Because two came in a text message. I uh, I checked the text message while I peed right before this podcast, and it was sure enough, it was so important because it was my one of my one of my clients that was like, "Where's your podcast? That what kind of podcast mention the uh, golden handcuff metaphor and the new rich?" I mentioned that. No, no, he was. She wanted to know which podcast, and oh, I was like, okay. "Well," and I was thinking, you know what podcast? This one that I'm about to do right oh, now. Oh, had you never done that? Uh, I haven't talked. I have. It's glittered, but those are the two questions I wanted to just know what bring what those two metaphors bring up for you, I and mean, the same thing that you asked Lance to yourself. Those are the three questions, and I would love to answer. I would love to hear any explorations of those answers in any order. Okay, so 
Uh, golden handcuffs. My experience of that phrase or that jargon is uh, when you when you uh, create a service, typically a membership of sorts um, or a, or a, or a continuity program, whereby people uh, participating in that product service or uh, membership platform makes it to where the more that they participate the more value that they get but the more value they get the more they can't leave so they're handcuffed but the handcuffs are made of gold so they're like hey that's not so bad um so yeah does that oh that's awesome to hear yeah when i think when i think about it i think of um someone that's yeah basically in a very they have some sort of security like yeah. some sort of in partic particularly usually financial security right and they're that's they're unwilling to explore something richer that includes insecurity and they're settling for oh, their okay. financial security See, i've only heard of it in the in the membership model sense of the word where like you you give so, you, you make it to where if somebody leaves your platform now they they have to go start over again so I mean, I'm happy to hear you. I'm, I'm happy to hear our different versions of this. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt. I mean, it's not a phrase I came up with. It's just the one that I, I I've used that term before. Is uh, it's a golden handcuff uh, business model. And what it brings up for me is the conversation we were having in the porch before this about mm -hmm. the seduction of think over overthinking to take away from presence. Mm -hmm. I it reminds me of this metaphor as well that like maybe there's always a seduction for everyone that to to do something that feels more secure mm -hmm. out of protection to do something greater that feels more insecure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then the new rich. The new rich. Yeah, what's the new I mean, rich? that's something I learned I read the first place I heard of that was uh was in uh, in Tim Ferriss's book uh and that is, you know, people who make they they identify what their ideal lifestyle would be if they were multi multimillionaire and you know which would be rich and and then they finance it so that instead of waiting to retire they live you know cuz most people say well if i was retired i would travel the world i would go to all these cool conferences or i would go you know see i would i would go on a I would travel the world on a yacht or I would uh I would go and surf all the time or I would you know all these things and it's like well how much would it cost you to do those things and uh just do it now like you know set up your life in such a way that you can do the things you would do if you were already retired and independently wealthy is uh, identify how much that would cost and then create a business or uh, a, a source of revenue that that allows you to have that provides you that amount of revenue and then some, so that then while still allowing you to do the thing you would do if you were retired. So if I was to say, hey, all I would want to do is just go and you know follow fish, the rock band fish around. It's like, well, how much would that cost? And can you do a business that would allow you to do that? Or I said, hey, I would just want to go to all the great museums around the world. Well, maybe you start a blog where, or, or a podcast around the great museums. Or or it doesn't even have to be related. You can do something. You can learn a skill or a, 
or start a business that would allow you to do it from anywhere. But it might not even be that. It might be you would say, hey, all I would do is raise my kids. And then you start a business or get a job or some sort of revenue that allows you to just be with your kids. So that's a new, the new rich as far as I understand it. Awesome. And then how – yeah, I love that answer, by the way. I love it. I'm happy to see that was definitely a divine text. Um, and how does this personally relate to you? Like how do you – you, Well, do you, it very much relates to me because uh, I read Tim Ferriss' book and I made up my mind that day that um, that I wanted to do that. And it was before Tim Ferriss' book was big, like before everybody had read it. It was over 12 years ago. And I remember literally feeling like, oh, my God, I think I found, like, this hidden treasure map, like, because nobody else knew about it. And I remember thinking, I don't want to Google this. I Like, I, I literally felt metaphysical, like, like I had found this thing that if, you know, if I – if it sounds really weird. I can't believe I just said that. But Well, I can relate to it. And that's from the four-hour work week. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, congratulations, Tim. You Man, you are friends. I imagine you have so many connections. Are you friends with Tim? Um, we've met a few times and, uh, yeah, we have, we have, a, a quite a few friends in common and, uh, he actually lives in Austin and we've seen each, you know, been to a couple of things together and stuff, but yeah, I wouldn't, let's put it this way. The last time I saw him, I was like, Hey dude, how's it going? He goes, Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> uh, oh man i can actually relate to that a little bit because i believe your partner or is that your partner or wife or holly yeah uh -huh. holly that's your yeah. wife yeah uh -huh. yeah i i knew i met her but i didn't know how and i was like wait a minute I don't, who uh, oh uh, yeah because and, and austin's pretty disorienting in that way to me because there's so many amazingly cool people here yeah if i go to like five or six parties in a row I could meet like so many awesome, amazing people that the names are hard enough, and sometimes I start wondering. I can, I almost forget the faces. Right, right. I know what you mean. Yeah, and so, yeah, she was at the same party. This thing's mesmerizing, isn't it? It's great. My wife's one of her best friends since fifth grade made these. In case you're listening and not watching the video, yeah. If you're watching the video, check out breakingnormal.com/podcast. We're playing with some awfully cool pill pillows. <laughs> uh, she made these for us. This isn't what Wait, she who does for a living for or anything. Yeah, Holly. No, Holly's best friend since fifth grade. One of her best friends. She's got two best friends. They're the three musketeeresses. Um, but one day we just opened our our mail and actually. She got that one, Holly. She gave. She made that for Holly, and it's basically a, like sequined on one side pillow, um, and the nice. sequin is the sequins are iridescent. They they're like purple and green and blue. We some people said this is like what the 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 scales of would look like on a dragon. Mm hmm. I or agree. or unicorn tongue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? For la last night, I've been having this resurrection weekend. I feel like I've become a new man. I feel like a part of the old Daniel's gone in a way. And one of the things is just like such a new level of realness quickly. And last night I had a conversation with my parents and all of a sudden it got right into some sort of like stories I've never heard about like the last time my mom used cocaine, for instance. It was a long time ago because and, – and what it sounded like I got to hear about the story of my dad. They they took a, a – something weird happened with LSD and they tried to come off of it any way they could. 
Um, and they were, and they were telling me the whole story last night. And then, so I, when I'm rubbing these pillows, I'm thinking like, if someone was using something such as LSD, they they might enjoy these pillows on a oh yeah on a level that you may be amazed. Yeah, these are some <laughs> great pillows for. They would be good for that. And I brought that up. Um, does that bring anything up for you? I, I, I don't. It seems like that's been a topic of this podcast a lot. Is people's kind of peak experiences with psychedelics or uh-huh. exogenous allies? Yeah. Um, does that bring anything up for me? Like anything that would be like I mean, fun to well, explore yeah, yeah, out I think, loud. I think something that would be fun to be to explore is the fact that when I was, I couldn't have been more than twelve, thirteen years old, maybe younger. My parents would always take us uh, on a road trip, like somewhere in the U.S. Like we'd go all the way to like Washington State, like you know Vancouver. Or we'd go to Orlando. We'd go different places, and and you know, in, coming from South Texas, it was always a thing where it was like, bef- you know, we'd be traveling for a day, day and a half, and it was like. Are we out of Texas yet? Anybody listening to this podcast that's from Texas or several travel through Texas in a car knows what that's like. But um, yeah, uh, we stopped at a little bookstore. It was like, couldn't be more than like 1,200 square feet, maybe 800 square feet. And it was just wall to wall, floor to ceiling books and like like really thin, narrow um hallways that they had set up of bookshelves and it was just books 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 it was like a used bookstore and uh it was on one of those streets you know like in have you been to fredericksburg or wimberley like this indeed both yeah. of them great. yeah I and you know they used to have their little shop area and then like these are just like antiques and bakery and a little restaurant and then there's a bookstore right on the corner and boom like it was one of those kind of little old towns and I just saw this book that I couldn't not pick up. And it had these cool pictures of all these kind of crazy colors. And and the name of the book was Don Juan uh, uh, Ayaki Way of Knowledge by Carlos Castaneda. And I didn't know why, but I had to buy that book. It was a little paperback about this book, about this big and um, I don't even think I'd had re- reached puberty yet, but that book I needed to like I didn't understand. I was like I loved the drawings and the, but it didn't make any sense to me. Like I didn't know why I wanted to buy this book. I didn't know what it was about, what it meant. I just knew that I wanted to read this book. And um, for anyone that doesn't know who Carlos Castaneda was or is or Don Juan or the Yaqui way of knowledge. It's, there's a book about, uh, this, this, this author who went down to study the Yaqui Indians who used, um, used all kinds. And, and, and he found this shaman who at the time I didn't even know what the word shaman meant. And, you know, he was like, I just, he just told this guy, Carlos Castaneda like to go sit in the most powerful part of the room and that every room you have your most powerful place and and then he would tell him like to eat mescalito and do these things and I was like I didn't know what the psychedelics were I didn't know but it turns out he was having him eat peyote and he was having him eat Hawaiian uh, uh, 
morning glory seeds and all these and, and and taking him through these rites of passage as a shaman and it was written in very uh so carlos castaneda i believe was a was a uh anthropology professor and so it was written from his like the perspective of him going down as an anthropology professor and connecting with like he wasn't going down there to take psychedelics he just ran into this guy and this guy basically pulls him aside and goes uh have i got some you know a a, a detour for you and then he became his, his shaman and his mentor and, and i didn't really understand it but i kept reading it and uh so yeah i've always been naturally pulled and inclined and drawn towards psychedelics even before I consciously knew what they were or cognitively knew what they were and before they became cool if you I mean like obviously they were cool before I was born because I wasn't born in in the 60s but I didn't have any reference for for like my sure I had uncles that were hippies but they were hippies more from the like like you know just Jimi Hendrix and 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 like they were into like Jefferson Airplane and the Grateful but like not from the like a deep ritualistic shop like in the way that now it's become cool like with maps the multidiscipl multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies or or the way that a lot of people are going down to you know and and doing ayahuasca and things like this and and having it be very uh very much a cleansing experience and and i think even back you know for thousands of years i don't think it was cool i think it was something people did the way people go to church and i think in the last 10 15 years it's become cool and that's not either good or bad it's just become it's become in vogue uh and not 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 from the perspective of like oh let's go to a concert take a bunch of shrooms and 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 dance like whirly dervishes and you know because that that's just that's more entertainment right so um and what don juan was talking about was um more self uh spirituality and evolution of self to a point that uh transcends the human condition so that's what i have to say about that nice Nice, thank you. And uh, that's your uh, dog in the background there. What's your dog's name? His name is Dexter. Dexter. You, Jay, you know, a nice joke. Or it's, it's like one of those real jokes. I'm like, I guess there's a little truth in every joke, potentially. But the JP says a lot is that dog is God spelled backwards. Uh -huh. He like mentions that, and I resonate deeply with that. Um, <laughs> what do you what's What do you think about Dexter as a spiritual being? Um, sometimes there have been times when I thought like, I mean, I'm the kind of person I, I, I take, I take adventures in consciousness very frequently. Like I will just explore different realities and pretend as though they're real long enough that I can freak myself out a little bit. Uh, but knowing that I'm always tethered to you know i've i've got a i've got a lovely wife of over 20 years we've been together for 20 almost 24 years and been married for 
We're going, it'll be 21 years in June. And we've got a 17-year-old daughter. June what? Uh, 21st. 21st, cool. June 1st. It's my birthday. Oh, uh, nice. It's a summer, summer solstice. That Yeah, that's amazing. And your daughter is how old, you said? She's 17. 17, wow. And so... To me, I have a lot of a lot of really beautiful things in this life that tether me to to this reality that I'm happy to be tethered to. So when I say I do like really intense thought experiments uh, and consciousness experiments, it's more from the perspective of just playing with different realities. Like one of the ones that I sometimes enjoy just just playing with is the idea I read once. I've heard it now from multiple places that that um, that what if like you're like i'm god you're god and you know billions and billions of years ago like as god you know everything everywhere all the time forever right like everything that will ever happen everything that's ever happened every multi, every multi universe that's ever existed everything forever for all eternity you know like future past up down sideways like there is nothing you don't know and that um you know the most the most um common game of all humans is hide and seek so if you know it's a fun game right it's like ah i'm gonna go hide and you can't find me and then it's like the, you know when i'm hiding it's like haha i made it back to base and when you're looking, you're like, fuck, where is he? But if you knew where I was every single time, it wouldn't be very fun. So this idea that I've played with is, um, man, it's not my idea, but, I, but I've enjoyed playing it for uh, at different times is to just pretend that, like, what if that's real? And, and that the reason that, so what ends up happening is as God, we decided one day that, damn, this is boring. Like I always, like I can't hide from myself. I know what is going to happen always forever. So I think I'm going to forget that I'm God because every time I try and hide, so to make the game more interesting, it's never a challenge. So uh, in an effort to make the game more interesting, uh, we forgot that we were God and came to this, this experience as humans um, to make things more interesting. But then at the end of the day, we'll just, die and go back to being god again and not god like jehovah or like you know yahweh and like just like god as in like it doesn't even have a name it's just everything it's when you look at those star nebula that just go on forever and ever and ever and then you like black holes and like like you know that thing where you have you ever seen that thing where they do this expanded view of they're like okay this was this little tiny 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 black thing is earth and then they go further and further and further and then further and further. And then they're like, okay, that tiny little speck is the known universe. <laughs> like, uh, and so at that level, you know, it's just, that's that. So some, at that level of thought experiment, sometimes I look at Dexter and I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a reality where Dexter is way more intelligent than me. And when like he came here as my guardian, as my, cause there's been times when I was uh, either really intoxicated or really in a really, 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 really like low point in my life, either as a father or as a husband or as a business partner or as a, like for myself, like I just let myself down in some way. 
And uh, whenever I, I mean, I think we've every, every human that's up to anything worthwhile, or even if they're not, um, has had moments that are so dark that they either felt suicidal or felt so deeply lonely or scared or just dark, dark, dark that, you know, it didn't even seem worthwhile to continue. Um, whenever I've had, and I haven't had a lot of those moments, but I've had some and Whenever I've had moments like that, Dexter always seems to come over and, like, lick me or something. Dog is God backwards. <laughs> I, I get it. And thanks, JP. <laughs> Man, I, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying the explorations uh, to my questions. Yeah, I'm enjoying answering. I hope. I hope your uh, your faithful listeners are enjoying it. Otherwise, it's just good for you and me. Well, that that's actually when you were expressing the last thing you did, I had a one time I had a it's now I don't know if you know Jordan Bowditch, but I had a breaking normal cool bus. And then I uh, sold it to my friend Jordan, so now it's like this flow mobile they're going to take to festivals. Wow. Um but on the the one thing that I decided to print in the back window, I was uh-huh. I, I was thinking about for a while. I printed uh, what's most personal is most universal. And wow. when you were expressing that, uh, that's what I was. That's what was coming to my mind. Huh? Yeah, I I do struggle sometimes with this idea that like there's a part of me that really really wants to be unique. And it kind of bugs me whenever it's like I think like, oh man, I have this this unique thought, idea, thing, and then it turns out like, oh, that's like the most normal thing that everybody feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's that's a fractal, right? It's like everybody wants to be different. <laughs> everybody wants to be unique. It also reminded me, the other thing that it reminded me of was, and it definitely reminded me of Alan Watts exploring the subject. I'm not sure if you've ever listened. I love Alan Watts. Yeah, so I love it. He he expresses, as you do in your own way, he in his own way expresses this exploration of thought experiment in such an eloquent, uh, charismatic, edutaining type of way, I'd say. And there's a story that may have been inspired from him, but this idea that there's somewhat a king eventually ends up with the technology to push a button and whatever button that will create whatever experience or get whatever thing he wants as the, the, there he goes. It's like, you want your phone to beep. You want to do a podcast. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to do it all at once. You just push a button and it happens. Mm -hmm. And the button that he um, really started enjoying the most was mystery. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep that's cool it's another way of saying the same thing exactly sure. exactly yeah the element of surprise and so what about you in the uh, third question the one that I was like aiming oh, yeah. to flip a little bit on Lance like how do you um, make your money sure um, so I make my money by uh, I've got like the simplest way of describing it would be to say that I, my I've got an a, an agency with a team that brokers traffic through uh, influencer relationships. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm wondering if that would make sense to everyone, but okay. So I've got a lot because of running this thing called the Internet Marketing Party for over ten years here in Austin without a miss every single month, and then we've run big big events at uh, big parties uh, the night before other big events as well for quite a few years, and Internet Marketing Parties kind of become like uh, my friend Neville Medora said. Hey, that's kind. Of, it's it's kind of like the comedy store in L.A., where every comedian has gone through there, and it's it's got it's gotten like to a point where if you haven't played the comedy store, you haven't really made it yet. It's like a rite of passage kind of thing. So, in that way, uh, his name is Neville Medora. He said, you know, internet marketing parties kind of becoming like that because. You know, you've you've had so many of the biggest names in digital marketing speak on that stage, and um, what that's done from from like my kind of like you were talking about what this podcast does for you is it it creates a real easy way for for you to drop down, drop deep, go deep with people. So every month when I do these parties, I ask the speaker, "What's your biggest?" challenge or your biggest bottleneck in your business and then I curate eight to ten experts from my network who all know me and they all know about these masterminds there's an afternoon mastermind where we act as a board of advisor for the speaker for about three or four hours and they're the only topic and everyone that's in the room is not it has all have experience at solving that problem, like direct, personal, first-hand experience. In fact, sometimes people are like, dude, invite me to the next one. And I'm like, if the topic that the speaker is asking for, you have a depth and a, 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 a well of experience, then sure, I'll invite you. But if not, like, no. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, and so because of that, um, I've developed really, really great relationships with a lot of the biggest brightest most successful names in in the industry and so um and much like the podcast i'm sure if there's people that have listened to a lot of your podcasts over time there's going to be people that start coming up to you and going like oh my god i feel like i know you because you're literally in their ear and they've seen you and heard you so much and you've never seen or heard them but to them they know you right yeah, that definitely happened just the other day at Barton Springs. The guy kept wanting to explain that to me. He was like, he wanted me to make sure I, he understood how he how much he feels like he knows me and how little I probably know about him. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I say that is um, so with, with Internet Marketing Party, it's created a, a, a situation where um, I've got all these relationships with people that have huge youtube you know subscriber channels and huge email lists and huge podcast listeners and huge uh you know facebook followings and 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 blog readerships and so people will hire our agency because they've got a, a course or an information product or a training or a mastermind or something that or a big product launch and they're like, Dave, you already know everybody. Would you, you know, open the doorway, get us on the phone or just get them to promote or get them to, you know, take a look at our at our thingy, 
whatever it is, and uh, they pay us a monthly fee plus a percentage of sales. And uh, people don't mind that when I reach out to them because I make it a, I, I make it clear to our clients like I'm not like let's say you were selling. Uh, well, can we on the yeah. the spirit of making it what's most personal is most universal? I'd love to talk about my personal um, my personal situation and yeah. see what you would say. Yeah, sure. Great. So, breaking normal book. It's been on Amazon and Audible. Uh-huh. I'm imagining. I, I don't know if it's hit the ten thousand mark, but I'm imagining it's going to soon. Um, it was originally published about a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah. And uh, more importantly, the numbers is the quality of um, testimonies. Oh, nice. And that's a, and that's based on me running events for ten years on, like I said, health through honesty and connecting creating tribes in a way and and empowering people like jp did his first comedy show at our tribe design in Kauai. he met amber at our tribe design in costa rica proposed her the tribe design in montana so it's like in a way we have a, this thing in common that i've been stewarding this experience that like wow if you like a lot of people it's on their bucket list let's put it that way to experience a tribe design oh wow so I have that, and then Breaking Normal Podcast, you're on it. Here we are, probably episode number 39. We hit the new and noteworthy. Um, and then I have an app that's under development. And then my like my financial situation, I feel like I'm in this state where I'm just digging uh, for a spring because I know it's there. I know it's there. I've already tapped the springs around this area. I'm like, yeah, we got to dig this one. But in the meantime, yeah. well, I'm getting thirsty as shit. It's, that, like, well, it's that whole thing about <laughs> overnight success 10 years in the making, right? Yeah, so that's where I'm at, and right. um, man, awesome. if you Thanks now, so you know, if you can, uh, we can make it. What, yeah, what would that bring up for you and your specialty, and how we might be able to partner? Yeah, well, um, what it brings up in my specialty is almost more personal than professional at this point, as far as version layer version one. Um, so let's say you were to find out, like, let's put it, let, let's create this, this real, like this, this play, play structure, uh, that you found out like an aunt or an uncle passed away and left you like, you know, $20 million. And you're like, you know what? More than the money, I just, I want to, I want to figure this out on my own. Like, I don't, I don't want to just be rich now. I want to, I want to continue on the journey but how can i leverage the money so that i can ju- continue on the journey in the most effective and efficient way does that make sense it's the whole definitely, definitely the journey is yeah. more important than yeah, the, oh yeah the, the You're destination speaking, we're, we okay. share that language you're saying so, it in a new way I, i've often said that um that if 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 i could get a winning lottery ticket like i would rather give it to somebody else because i i like the like a, I don't know that I would really not want it, but I feel like I might be cheating myself unless I was ready for it. But I really feel like I've reached a point in my life where the actual journey is is becoming so good because there's been so many things that I got that I wanted. And once I got them, they just they didn't. It was like wanting them was better than getting them. Well, on the, for the sake of synchronicity, I mean, the recent Audible, I'm a pretty much like an Audible connoisseur. Uh-huh. Um, that's why that was my, that was that's what really started breaking normal was getting that out there. Um, I'm listening to Atomic Habits, and he's, have you heard of that book by any chance? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. It's cool. He they, they stop, It's like how to change habits, like easy tweaks to make a big difference, and Anyways, he definitely goes into depth about how most people get a bigger dopamine hit 
from anticipating something than actually doing it. And I can so relate to this because I most people I meet, I for whatever I used to believe, I'm putting that in the past tense on purpose, that they like talking about traveling more than they actually like traveling. There's a lot of shit about traveling that sucks. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're probably the wrong Depen- person to say yeah, that. Yeah, depending on who you're talking to, I, I have experiences. Like, there have been things that... People like, like you said, they they had all the new rich. They they think they want to go around and travel the world and then just keep going and keep going. And I've done that with people, and they don't seem to like it as much as they thought they were going to. <laughs> yeah, I like the way my friend Jesse Elder says. Uh, it's similar. He's like, you know, people who are like, oh, law of attraction is bullshit, or oh, I want to attract, I want to manifest. And they're like, dude, you can't not manifest. You're a manifestation machine. Whether or not you like what you've manifested is another question, but like, and and and, and uh, he's also said something along these lines, and he's this isn't like an original thought. He's just one of the people that that said it more recently that I, I really appreciate and enjoy, and that's that. Like, I've heard Bandler talk about this as well. Is is you know, your life is exactly the way you you want it, even if it's horrendous. I mean, obviously. Yeah, if it's some sort of weird genetic mutation or something that's that's genuinely like outside of your control, but like most 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 of the maladies that that people want to change about their life are things that they brought on to themselves. Yeah, I, I'd highly. This is a great time to highly encourage y'all to check out the Jesse Eller podcast I did. In case you haven't, um, and yeah, we we that was yep. He does speak about he speaks about that topic very eloquently yeah i saw i ran into him recently (laughs) check this out i went to the bulletproof conference to do like a podcast batch Uh of sorts it's so awesome i ran into jesse eller on like in the midst of an epic flow state that's just beyond understanding jesse Uh eller walks right by us doing some sort of like mind vitamin that he just ended i call his name He's the first time he's ever been on Abbott Kenny. I thought he was just like living there for the moment. He just came from the future in Fiji. He like just he's on a layover from the future in Fiji <laughs> and then going to Morocco the next morning and we just like cross paths in this moment at the Abbott Kenny pizzeria and it was trip and then that just was that synergized the next synchronicity. That doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> Jesse's one of my flow brothers. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what were you 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 were asking me about uh, my thoughts on? Oh yeah, that you gave me the personal um, response. You said the more like, and I hear you. I love that. Thank you for reminding me of, about the, um, like oh, the oh, journey, okay, okay, the okay, destination. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. We're yes, getting yes, what so, we want. We're getting so, what we want. People, yes, are we getting so, what we want? So, or are we not? So that's. That would be the first thing. Like, so where I was going with the 20 million, if you're, you know, some long lost, you know, 110 year old aunt or uncle, you know, great aunt or something left you 20 million and you're like, I know. I really ri- resonated with Dave Gonzalez. I want to give him like, you know, 50 grand to just coach me. Like, what? The f- like along the lines of like what you're asking me for my expertise like help me launch this book this you know like get become the next well become- why not just like hit it because because I do believe that we are manifesting machines why not at least get the breaking normal book podcast and app to a million people each why not like make that a creative constraint okay so the first thing I would do 
is I would not just immediately go to tactics because there's tactics that you can use, but I would go inward first and ask, what is it like? Cause there's probably at least five things, you know, right now that you could do to how, what, what, how many, how many, what is it? Downloads is that you would want it to like get in to? distribution, like the copies, whether it's an okay. audible download or right. the physical so book. How or, many are you at now? You said you're I about think to I'm 10. around. I don't know. It could be around ten thousand on okay. the books, but I, right. why not the podcast and the so, app as well? Just like, I know, but let's just do okay, one cool. at a time. Let's for, do one at a time. So already, <laughs> that's already something I would coach you on. Nice. Is pick one, and instead of just. Mm, thank you for that. Because. If you, uh, this is another thing I learned from Jesse when I did a mastermind with him. If you hold, you know what makes a thought powerful? Focus. Attention. Duration. Duration. Okay, so let's focus on, let's focus on the book, the book. Yeah. Okay, so um, are there, my guess would be that you know at least three to five tactics for how to make the book double in sales i i imagine that's true <laughs> and i would guess that you have access to three to five people that if you pay them enough i'm not suggesting you will or should but that that have the knowledge on how to make that book sell a million copies like mm. yeah yeah i i'm yeah yeah yeah. yeah, especially if yeah you're saying with the money in hand. Yeah, yeah, but like let's let's like not assume I could that pay them gonna, that you have to pay them. Okay, but like, in one way, yes, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's right. true. In other words, there is existing knowledge. Like there's, I learned this from somebody who I respect and admire a lot just this weekend. So when you're looking for advice from somebody, there's only two types of advice you can you can break it down to. Right, the first type of advice is. I have no idea why I'm not getting the result I'm what I want. So just, just, just let me have it. Like brain, it's a basically a brainstorm session. Mm -hmm. The second is, hey, I know exactly the result I want, and I know what should work. But here's what I'm doing. Here's 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 like what here's the step by step process of me doing it. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, one so is almost like, hey, I have no idea. I'm a blank slate. And the other is, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's the result I want. What's, what What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Got it? Mm -hmm. Those are the, really the only way. Like So right now, with you getting your book to a million copies sold, it, if you had Tucker Max... Um, Esther Perel, uh, Seth, Seth, Seth Godin, uh, Michael Drew, and Angela Loria all sitting right here for three hours to help you. Do you think, oh, and JJ Virgin and, um, uh, let's say two more people that have written multiple, you know, million plus uh copy so oh we had jay papas on as well right For, who co-wrote the one thing oh great right. and just right. listen to that so one. all those people were just sitting in a room with you what would you rather them just like 
Would you tell them what you've been doing and let them fix it, or would you rather they just brainstorm and tell you what you need to do? The uh, the brainstorm and tell me what to do. Right. So how much time have you spent doing that with people who have who have written and sold over a million books? The first one that comes to mind is Hal Elrod on the podcast. Uh-huh. But other than that... Has he sold over a million books? I believe from the Miracle Morning, that's what I heard. I know he's sold and continues to sell a ton of books. I'm not, just so you know, I'm not at oh, all I hear digging. You. Like, that, that, that was, was my understanding. That he, there was a million copies in distribution of Miracle Morning. Okay. Um, but that, like, that's the one that came to mind. And, and that's not, that's like an and, hour of my life. So I'm trying to think. Is there? Yeah. And so, and even, even then, has he done it multiple times? I don't think multiple times. So, understanding. so I, the first thing I would do is I would just go and find, you know, five people who have written, who have sold books multiple times to over a million people. And, like I wouldn't even necessarily look to connect with them directly. I would just like they probably have been interviewed on podcasts about this. They've probably spoken on stages. They probably where that was was recorded. They've probably uh, written you know blog posts about it. They've probably uh, maybe even written a book about it. They might even offer it as a service and in part of their sales process or give some of the strategies and. So, you know, I mean, don't try and reinvent the wheel or do it from your own creativity. Like, go and find what's already worked and then just use that. And be prepared to know that uh, that the possibility might exist, that they might say, oh, well, it requires this, this, and this to be there to sell a million copies of a book, and your book does not have this piece. So would you be prepared to rewrite the book? Or or write a different book, or you know what I mean? Yeah, and that like, my answer is a yes to both. Yeah, so I mean because yeah because I I believe in the what's there already. Yeah, cause so much. Uh, I'm like I feel a responsibility in a way. You know the the number might be a more egoic like go for it, Dan. But I do feel a responsibility to steward that um yeah experience that I had by creating and, that. But it could also be the kind of thing where. Um, you know, if Tim Ferriss had called his book, uh, the new rich instead of the four hour work week, I don't know that it would have worked. I'm not saying it wouldn't have, I just don't know. And so that's what I mean. Like, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not saying you should go and rewrite. I don't know. I don't know how, what, what the elements that are, but I haven't written multiple million copies of a book. So, but that's what I would do if that was important to me. Great advice, man. And a lot of our clients that have gone on to do really big, amazing, cool things, that's essentially what they do is they just go and they study people who have done what they wanted to do. Yeah, I think sometimes the most prof- like the most truthful answers are the simplest. <laughs> and I, I I believe the same thing. Like, what's most personal is most universal. It's like, what's the best? What's the best thing for our health? Someone asked me that recently. Like, what's the best biohack you know? I, I think it was Luke's story on his podcast because we were at the Bulletproof conference, and I was like, 
uh, breathing. <laughs> breathing, like like breathing on purpose in different ways, like learning how to breathe because that's the one thing that we can go the least amount of time without and it's the most thing that's like in our face and we're going to do it regardless if we try or not. So like why not focus on that first? Mm-hmm. And it, your answer reminded me of that. I'm like, yeah, that's so freaking true. Hmm, man. Yeah, because... Like, I think what you were thinking is I would say, like, oh, well, here's, you know, we could represent you and get you in front of this person and that person and that, like, but at the end of the day, um, a lot of, I mean, we turn down a lot of clients because they don't have what, I mean, essentially, if I was to invite, let's say I was going to have a party here at my house and I wanted Tim Ferriss to come to it, right? If I just said, hey, Tim, I'm having a party. You want to come? Chances are he would not come. But if I was to say, hey, Tim, I'm having a party. Or if I was to ask Aubrey Marcus and J.P. Sears and uh, let's say um, let's say Vern Harnish was in town and uh, – um lewis house who i know knows you know and and i got all of them to 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 say yeah man i'll I'll come over because i you know I, I put together the right thing for the right a, f- a friend of mine taught me this in investment banking one of the things they'll do is they'll say like let's say you you had come into that 20 million right and i said hey dan if i can get tim seth godin uh, Frank Kern, Roland Frazier, and J.P. Sears to each put in two million. I'm raising. I'm doing a a twenty million dollar raise for a for a for a fund. Would you put in two if I got all those guys to say yes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. I hear yeah. what you're saying. So right then here. I, I go to Tim saying. and I'm like, hey dude, <laughs> you you know Daniel, you were on his podcast and so he's already in. And then he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dump too. And you just, you know, that's what I would do. So um, the reason I say that is for our clients, it's the same thing. Like I can't just go to someone and just because they're just because like they trust me that when I bring them an offer, a product, a book, a launch, that it's already been vetted. That like it's not like, like oh, I'm just bringing you something because – like, cause there's lost opportunity cost. If I bring them something that isn't going to convert, that isn't a good message to market matched for their list, that doesn't have universal appeal. I mean, like, let's let's just say somebody like Esther Perel, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners, if they like your stuff, they should like eighty, ninety percent of the people on your on your you know listenership know who Esther is. We ran, I, I'm, we ran, we ran an event the same time she was speaking, an event in Multiversity. Right uh-huh. before JP and Amber got married in Santa Cruz, just wow. it was a re- brief run-in, but that's how I learned about her. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if she wanted to become a client of ours, like, I, there, I couldn't just put her stuff in front of everybody, like a bizop list. You know what I mean? That's like looking mm-hmm, for like, mm-hmm. hey, here's how to scam, like, <laughs> e, 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 uh, eBay. You know, like, like because there's some people that have stupid lists like that. You know, that's like. Here's the latest way to like get rich, you know, like, <laughs> like how to hack Amazon, you know, how to scrape Facebook lists and blah, blah, blah you know, like weird, crazy hacker stuff. Like, 
and I just or like a Bitcoin list, right? Like, you know, when Bitcoin is really hot, like I couldn't bring like mating in captivity, like the ultimate way to you know to hack relationships for optimum love to just any like it's got to be the right and even then like i've seen many instances where people have really amazing products but the marketing sucks and i've seen instances where the marketing's phenomenal but the product's just not as good as the marketing or i've seen instances where the the marketing's great the product's great but the customer service sucks or the, you know the delivery of it sucks like there's there's tech issues and then there's like that like so you know it's 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 not just the conversions or the or the actual product it's also the 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 delivery of it the 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 execution and so there's a lot that goes into it man it's not like like i just because i have these relationships you know, I think there was a part of you, if I'm hallucinating, because this is normal for me, that people find out what I do and they know the relationships that I have. And they're like, oh, I can, you know how you can feel when somebody's tentacles are coming out? Like, mm. they're like, oh, wow, this guy's got a new and notable mm. podcast. And they, up until then, they mm -hmm. were kind of ignoring you. And once they hear that, they kind of buddy, mm -hmm. they kind of like nestle, nestle up <laughs> next to you, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel that a lot of times, sometimes from people with, like when they find out the relationships I have. Are you are you saying you felt that for me, Sam? Just a touch. No, when you said, when you said, ooh, you know, personal. Like you're like, let's instead of just using a a, a random example of how oh yeah how you do what yeah. you do, let's do it on my book. And like I didn't, I don't mean that in a like it wasn't like a a creepy or a mm -hmm. a dark way, but you're like you you did what I would have done, you know. Mm -hmm. Like if I was wanting to start a podcast, and I asked you, hey man, so what are some pointers on on how to get to new and noteworthy? And you and you said, well, if someone, I was like, well, let's do it on mine, the internet market. Like, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But now I'm like, you know. But then let's say that the way to do it is something that I might not already have. Mm. You know I what I mean? I think that I'm seeing if that last part lands for me. I, I'm by the way, I'm not suggesting you don't already have it. I just I don't I've seen too many instances okay. where, where people want to make what they have the thing. They're attached to what they have and that's kinda why I started with the whole idea of the journey matters more. Mm -hmm. Because it might be that the thing that you're gonna sell a million copies of is something that's a tangent to the road you're on. It could be that it's this thing already but uh, oh so this reminds me of what i remember of carlo how do you carlos how, how do you pronounce his last name i like the way Cast, you say castaneda <laughs> castaneda castaneda you no? said it perfect okay um For i started guy. the art of dreaming <laughs> <laughs> i started listening to the art of dreaming on audible and i loved how what i was gathering from that is kind of what you just expressed to me it was like why try to contain what's about to happen rather than fully experiencing it. That's how I'm experiencing what you said right there. Like maybe you were going to give a um, perspective that would have been more valuable for my personal situation, but maybe by me putting a constraint on it or like maybe that was like the tentacle, like, or like the, not, not like attached or aggressive, but like, yeah. Oh, this is my opportunity to contextualize this again. 
other than yeah. maybe experience it even in a more mysterious way, potentially. That's, right. So. Um, I think there's some of that, but I, I think it has just more to do with the fact that, like, I have so much experience now of wanting something so much and then realizing after either I got it or I didn't get it but got something better that the attachment to the thing that I want so much is often it's a are you familiar with Buckminster Fuller's work uh, I imagine more by not researching it but just by resonating with it oh, okay. I, I have done a little research a little. so he has these different laws that he came up with and one of them is the law of precession and the law of precession states that the true goal of any of any entity is at a 90 degree angle that will never be seen by the entity so the example he gives is a a a, a bumblebee so when a bumblebee goes out and leaves the hive what it does is it goes out in search for uh, um, pollen pollen and the pollen are at the at the edges of the stamen of leaves uh, of flowers right and so what they're doing is they're 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 grabbing their you actually thought that what they're looking for is pollen but what they're looking for is nectar okay so they're going to pull nectar from flowers and while they do that the pollen happens to be on the flower and they get the pollen on their the mm -hmm. legs mm -hmm. and then that pollen falls at a 90 degree angle to pollinate the flower and create oxygen for the planet so the bee thinks that its real goal is is to go and get nectar but what its real goal is that it doesn't ever even know about and that it's fulfilling mm. is is creating oxygen for all of the living beings on the planet <laughs> that live and thrive off of oxygen. So um <laughs> what that's what that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. I like. I kind of gave you a breaking normal answer, and then I'm happy you clarified that it's like they're. That's a big difference in the story that they're looking for nectar, but in the meantime, they're pollinating and oxygenating the earth. Yeah. So you like for me? Okay, I'm going to speak about me. Any, I've, I'm finding more and more that the things that I'm going after in life, or that I've gone after. After I got them, it was like, oh, I said this earlier, right? It wasn't, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Or I ended up not getting it, and I either gave up on it, or while I was on my way to get there, something better happened. Best plans are unplanned. Yeah, sometimes. so um, that doesn't mean that I don't think we should have goals or that we should strive mm -hmm. towards things, but I think it's very healthy to recognize that while I'm accomplishing my goals, there's something even bigger, better, and badder, and cooler, and more epic than the goal that's going on that I'll never, I'll never know. And yeah, I'll make that personal for me too. It's like, yeah, by me aiming, if if that goal at all is uh, catalyzing me to go on this podcast mission and uh, do everything I'm doing, like this moment right here, yeah, this is where the goal's at. Yeah, and maybe there's more gold at the goal too. Dude, this is what I'm noticing, though. This is this is like the 
for me the highlight of this podcast so far is the more that I do that, what you just said, the more that the things that I was going after start to like manifest or I start to attract or start to fall into my lap and or something better and or like I end up just uh, like the moments become better. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I know we're hitting the 7 o'clock mark. I looked down at 7 o'clock. What this, what this reminds me of, too, is to, like, just to really not – to have – to be fearless of asking for what I want without being attached to getting it. Be fearless about asking for what you want. Oh, that's cool. That's a like good, a little like, baby, that's, like my good, daughter. Actually, like I remember hearing once, uh, there's magic in paradox. Oh yeah, yup. Yeah. So, wow, what a great. Uh, n- n- I trust it was not a conclusion, but a continuation of uh-huh. a cool relationship. <laughs> I'm happy I asked for what I want. Without getting being attached to getting it, I even asked you to come to my place, and you're like, "Oh, this works! Like, is this possible?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's possible." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm really happy I came. I even got a nice gift. Gifts you get got gifts at your front doorstep. We're still not a lot of mystery, a lot of uh, magic in this paradox that we find ourselves in." Yeah. What the, and the 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 paradox that the person that I learned this from it was uh, th- what you resist persists, and what you accept you gain control over. Yeah, I see. I've focused. I, I I've said that first part for so long, but I like that that you just upgrade it. It only gets better. It only gets better. <laughs> so what you accept, you gain control over. Because if you accept addition, it, then like okay, now I accept that, great and addition. that I have control over because my acceptance I control, my resistance I don't control because it's by 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 design resistance is a lack of control. I think I'm going to name this podcast uh, A Million Mantras with David <laughs> Gonzalez from Internet Marketing Party, something like that. A Million Mantras. There's a lot of good mantras that I feel like I'm, my mantras got upgraded through this experience. Thank you. Sweet, man. I, I, I've uh, One of the reasons I said earlier that I, I you know, when I, was, when I tried to, when I inadvertently and foolishly uh, just, uh, <coughs> um, what's the word? Um. Disengage, uh, disempowered, disengage, uh, like, uh, uh, what's it, what's it <laughs> called when you take something apart, unraveled, uh, Dis- oh, disassembled, okay, yeah, your complement yeah. of mm-hmm. internet marketing party. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because over the last couple of years, I've, I've had a lot of upgrades to my, to my reality, and um, I, I've suffered a lot for the ten to twelve years prior. I I went through a lot of a lot of suffering, a lot of not getting what I wanted, a lot of not um a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of misjudging, a lot of misrepresentation of a lot of just a lot of confusion and suffering and and the last couple of years I've really started dial in and the more that I dial in to um what really matters and that is presence that's uh, clarity that's um awareness and um the more that i that i that i that i move into this space the more 
that I that I awaken to what matters to me, and that's my family, my health, the stuff that even saying it sounds so, so like, really, dude, couldn't you come up with something more creative? But like, <laughs> what's that saying? Like, um, uh, stereotypes exist for a reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I was talking to an Uber driver the other day. Um, <clears throat> I asked him if he could wait for me while I, uh, I was in, in Nashville and, and I, I had only been there for a one day trip. Now, <clears throat> whenever I can, I, <clears throat> I like to make it a point to, to pick something up as a little souvenir for my wife and daughter. And I realized that it was such a quick in and out trip. And right across the street from where I was staying was this amazing coffee shop. I don't even drink coffee, but this coffee shop is like <laughs> it's it's like a hipster heaven nice. paradise. Like I they like take like they like like fifteen minutes to make one cup of coffee. Uh, nice. yeah, you know, and, and all they have like they have like these eighteen to twenty curated uh chocolate bars. Okay. That, sounds like that, right up my alley. That like are just like how is it that I've never seen this chocolate? Like, but they're all like, this chocolate bar was made in Portland, Oregon. And it was like made, and it's got like a little number by who made it and what time they made it. And it's going to be fresh until this date and hand wrapped. And it's like the packaging is like, you don't even want to open it up. Cause, and there's all like, this one was all these just like gorgeous. And, and, and I had seen it the previous trip I had been there. So I asked the Uber driver, I was like, Hey man, can I jump in there real quick? And, uh, and and get something for my wife, and he goes, yeah, no problem. And I went in, and there's four people standing in line, and I just decided I'd wait for. I picked up the candy bars or the chocolate bars right away, <clears throat> and then I realized it was like two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, and they were still in the process of making the first person's coffee. So I was like, damn, I don't want to get a bad Uber rating. I like thought like if I had like twenty bucks, I would just put it on the counter and like leave mm. but i didn't have any cash on me and mm. i was like oh, i thought about asking the person in front of me like hey can i venmo you some but then i was like but now i'm doing i'm giving the wrong person money like ah mm. <laughs> and the, the 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 baristas are like really into i don't know if barista is that a is that a starbucks I, only phrase no I, don't th- I i get what you're saying the baristas are like like they have that look of focus and concentration that if I interrupted mm-hmm. them, like it'd be a total like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> which would might have been true. And they were making the violation perfect little and, latte there. And and then the people would have been waiting in line. I'm like, dude, we're waiting in line. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then that they finally served that person their coffee, and the next person goes to order, and I'm like, ah, fuck, I missed my window. And then I was just like, I told the three people in front of me, in front of that guy, I was like, hey, I've got an Uber driver waiting for me. And now I'll switch over to back being in the Uber driver. Like, And I t- I'm telling him this story. And my Uber driver, I think his name was Steven, he's like, oh, man, Nashville isn't the way it used to be. And I was like, huh? He goes, Nashville used to be so nice. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I bet they didn't let you, like they didn't let you cut in line, did they? And I'm like, yeah, they did. And he's like, really? Holy moly. And I was like, what? And he goes, that's crazy. Nashville's become such a douchebag town. And da, da, da. And he was like, like, people aren't nice like there used to be. And I was like, I don't really attract 
bat into my and it just fell out of me and, and as i it did like i realized i was like that might land like i was making him wrong and um he just goes oh no no you're you're okay brother you're all right he was like i, I just maybe i huh and i said man i I've, i just noticed that like the more that i stay in flow the more i stay present the more that i stay aware the better life gets and the more that i meditate i said it hasn't been easy getting here now that I'm here, it's like there's not a lot that repels or creates resistance. And when it's there, I notice it, but it's been really hard. I said, you know, like in, in the movie uh, The Big Lebowski where uh, Jeff uh, – uh, what's his that plays – Jeff the, Bridges. Jeff Bridges that plays the dude. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, he's like smoke a doobie, take some uh, – like – you know, whatever pill and just chill out, man. Like go with the flow. And what I realized when I was, this is what I told Steve, the Uber driver. I was like, it was actually a Lyft driver because I use Lyft whenever possible. Um, I said, dude, what I've realized is that I have to find the resistance so that I can be in flow. Because if I, if I take drugs or alcohol when I feel resistance, then I'm numbing myself from the flow. Like the flow already exists in nature. It's already there, period. It, it, there, flow is impossible to not be there. Are we as humans capable of experiencing it? And whenever there's resistance and we numb ourselves, then we can't feel, we can't get into the flow because we're, 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 we're salving it. And so what I've started doing is actually sitting with resistance and and break in like uh, becoming aware of what that resistance really is and it's almost always got to do with some either form of fear, some sort of anger, some sort of pain, some sort of shame, or some sort of guilt. And I'm paraphrasing, I'm taking from from the knowledgeism, I mean uh, uh, from Lionheart, this workshop that I did. Uh and and the more that I like uncover like, oh, wh- where is that anger? Where is that fear? Where is that pain? Where is that shame or that guilt stemming from? And then I uncover that and process it. And once I process it, that's where I can, that's where I align with flow that already exists. Yeah, man, it's so relevant you say that. Have you heard of the Toltec Secret, the book? The Toltec? Uh, I've heard of the book, but I don't know anything about so it. So my wife studies with the guy that wrote that book, and she just she, last year she um, Sergio. I don't know is, it, is it is uh, it is it the the Four Agreements guy? No, not Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, okay, but, okay. Um, uh-huh. it's a, it's a book specifically about dreaming in the Nahuatl language, uh-huh. and the, the waking reality is a reflection to the dreaming reality. Right. And she she was so she attended his dream school last year in, in Berkeley and I went to Berkeley I just with with Davina this time I stayed in Austin I had my own initiation immersion with Davina by myself for a week while she attended his healing healing school and that's when I met you at JP's house when I was with Davina by myself yeah man what a week for me what a She's week what a week what a week bro I know I know I know I, I I saw her leave today and I was like just with our babysitter for I guess a few hours and. A little scary. I just got like, I got like so much love for her. It's like scary. Yeah, I know. I can relate. 
So, anyways, Deanna went to the healing school this time, and she did a, like a healing. She's she's practicing her healing things that she, or healing modalities that she experienced over the weekend, and uh, that was all about remembering the roots of guilt and um, and alchemizing it to power, and and using a specific mantra from the Nahuatl language, and man, was I remembering things that were like whoa. It's good to get to the root of that. Yeah. Rather than just like being unconsciously controlled by it. And dude, what I'm finding is that the more that I do that, the more flow happens and the more that I start to, um, the more that I attract what I want. I like, cause it's already there. Like dude, uh, Buckminster Fuller used to say there's four, cause when he was at his height of his like, you know, life and teachings and, and stuff. Um, there were 4 billion people on the planet. He said, there's 4 billion billionaires on, on, on spaceship earth is what he used to call it. Um, because if you distributed all the resources, not all the money, not all the wealth, all of the resources, the water, the land, the energy, the, the gold, silver, metal ore iron platinum all of it equally every man woman and child would be a billionaire so like there's plenty of everything it's just are we and that's kind of where i was going earlier about the the piece about you wanting to have your book be a, a like you know sell a sell hundred or a million copies or whatever it's like what i would posit to you is that the only reason you don't have that is because there are some things that are out of alignment and that's not good or bad because remember that it comes back to the whole journey thing like are you going to enjoy the journey of creating alignment where it's required for you to sell a million copies or are you going to like be pissed off that you still haven't sold a million copies Yep. Yeah, and the crazy part is I've probably experienced that the realization of that more this week than ever. Like that that's like that's the whole this resurrection feeling that I've been having over synchronously enough Easter weekend. And uh man, I, oh yeah, and I was going to say with the drugs and the alcohol thing you mentioned. That, so that's is that what you're saying for yourself that when you feel you feel like you were using those to numb the experience because I don't always for myself I don't always sometimes I feel like it's part of the flow and sometimes I feel like it's a Oh, a tool and a weapon. There's a fine line, a fine line between a tool and a weapon for me. And I feel like alcohol and whatever else gets categorized as drugs very much falls under that category. Yeah. Yeah, I have no, like, uh, for me, I spent too much time not uh, in alignment and not in flow and not creating assets um, that are lasting and that, that will that, that will give me the 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 level of freedom that I'm interested in, um, financial and attention and, uh, abundance wise that I realized for myself, I like, mm, I've been saying to people, if, if I was to say to you, Hey dude, you've got to write a book that'll sell a million copies in the next 24 hours. And if you do, I will give you a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I'm guessing that you know 
like taking taking some heroin wouldn't be the like something that would occur to you. No, not right. that. But I was thinking about maybe I should take mushrooms or something like whoa, or something I've never done before, and then like and just a sub like a, a, an LSD amount that I've never taken before, and just turn the recorder on and go. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking that, but I've only yeah. done LSD once, so I don't know if that's the right answer. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, like for me, I I I would just be like, okay, what do I like? What do I need to do? And like, there's no time for it. Like, it's just not a, a, a for me at this point with what I'm up to. I guess I was thinking about how to stay up for 24 hours, super attentive that I might that's, be partnering with some exogenous substances to make that happen. Yeah. But I think the quality <laughs> of the book would have to matter <laughs> more than the, I don't know. It's a, it's a great question though, man. I know uh, we could probably go for days and I guess we'll, that days, that holy days will continue. Every day is a holy day. Thanks for joining us on that one. Oh yeah, this has been a real experience. I feel like we've been kind of holding um, etch-a-sketches in a way. Yeah. And I love the metaphor of an etch-a-sketch in my life because sometimes I think people forget that all you have to do to get the new blank slate is to shake it up. <laughs> and I feel like we've been comparing our not for me I've been watching his artwork I've been watching mine I've been like thinking of the differences and the similarities and uh, this has been a fun session with you David where do people find out more about you if they were like if they were like man I want to learn more about what he's doing I want to go to the internet marketing party uh, I think I'm going to make them search for it they have to go and oh, find it oh <laughs> buddy the mystery element is here the magic it is in the uh, paradox <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't do this so I could like promote myself. So like, this, I think I'll just stay with that. If somebody somebody feels moved and inspired to get a hold of me, then just see. Let's see how creative and resourceful you are. And paradoxically, that might make you even more searched now than otherwise. <laughs> not, but that's not my goal. Like, it's funny because I, I mean, <laughs> that's not what I'm going for. I just, I don't know. It just feels like a weird capstone for for the space we've had mm, I like to be like one. oh go to www <laughs> just weird it doesn't land real for me so I'd rather just if you want to find me figure it out yep that's that reminds me once I asked that I asked something similar to my friend Elliot Hol Elliot Hulse and he's like you could you could start with Google if you want <laughs> <laughs> something like that I was like I like that <laughs> I challenge you to find me if you want to without Google. Oh, the, we have a, 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 not a plot, a thought, not a, plot, a thought twist. <laughs> a I was plot trying to, twist. I know, I was trying to do a thought plist. I was wanting a breaking normal version. The plot, the thought has plickened. The thought has plickened. Thank you for plickening the thought. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Man, and, and making it even more magical. I should have said we're, we're yelcom. You're welcome. Keep um, normal breaking, everyone. Bye-bye. Peace in. This boy and girl are going to be well-equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Everyone is telling the truth about themselves. Chapter 12, Speaking and Prayer. If there is one thing we own... I might say it is our voice. Why speak if we don't want to be heard? Every word we say, even if it is silent and to ourselves, is heard by the Creator. And how do we know that the Creator doesn't hear it as a prayer? The more I travel around, the more people I meet, the more I keep realizing the same thing. Everyone is telling the truth about themselves. The challenge I find 
is that I'm not sure, A, if they believe it, and B, if the truth they're telling is the one they want to tell, that is, the truth they want to be true for their lives. Even if they're talking about someone or something else, they're still revealing some sort of truth about themselves. And in the case of lying, sometimes they're the most revealing. Like most realizations that seem to strike out of the blue, this one, in hindsight, must have been something I'd already been thinking for some time. It was towards the end of a retreat, and I was listening to a woman, let's call her Anne, talk about her life back home, the things she was and wasn't going to do differently from now on. She had a large and what I imagined to be a cumbersome suitcase on the ground beside her. I hadn't seen that suitcase since the first day when she arrived at the airport, wheeling it along behind her. Of course, everyone brought some baggage with them, but this woman, judging by the size of the suitcase, had packed for two weeks instead of four days. The first thing we did was take it to the retreat house and stow it, out of sight and mind. After that, we were free as a group to go out, free to hike, explore, polar plunge, and for a brief time, let ourselves be known. Anne had done all that, had consistently gone outside her comfort zone. It was the last day now, the last hour, in fact, and the suitcase, everything she had brought with her, was back at her side, ready to go home. I'm so grateful for this experience, she said, and I know I've learned a lot. I think you are all incredible people, and I'm happy I got to know you, and I'd love to stay in touch. Slowly, the real world crept back into her speech. I really hope I can incorporate some of what I've learned when I get back home. I don't want to lose this feeling I have right now. I feel light, both in the sense of not heavy and in the sense of having my dark spots lit up. I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. It's going to be hard because when I'm home, it's no mistake that that quote drifts off because that's when I stopped hearing her actual words. Though I can guess which ones she used, my job, bills, I can't, I have to, I have a family, why, because, and but, a lot of buts. It was almost like I could see the spark go out of her eye as a cloud of the real world passed before her eye. A minute ago, her vision was open and unobstructed. Now it narrowed to focus on the obstacles. I could hear her subconscious speak through every word she said, as though she was giving herself away, revealing her secret motives. It was more a confessional than an actual confession, only she didn't know it. She didn't necessarily believe what she was saying, but she wasn't awake enough at that moment to question it. Her subconscious, her inner saboteur, what Napoleon Hill might call the devil, was subtle, similar to her actual voice. It slipped into her speech undetected. In short, that feeling she said she wanted to keep, she was unwittingly preparing to lose. By convincing us of why it might happen, she was convincing herself of why it was going to happen. She subconsciously knew that if we bought her story, she could buy it too. She could privately confirm her own bias, the one she kept like a secret pact to herself. Things don't work out. I'm not meant to be happy. I'm damned. I'm not born lucky. This is the way it has to be. By repeating her rationalizations aloud in the present tense, she was projecting them outward, casting them onto the canvas of her reality. 
There was a part of me that could empathize, that wanted to empathize, that wanted to say, yes, it is hard. It's very hard. There was another part of me, however, that wanted to say, no, it's really not. You might call the first part of me my human side and the second part some other side, but even that division, which is how I thought of it in the past, is a story. It's not a matter of what I should do anymore than it's a matter of what she should do. It's a matter of how do I serve her best. And to me, it's not by enabling her to argue for her limitations, aiding and abetting her sense of powerlessness. It's not by nodding my head and giving her the false impression that I agree that she's a victim and that the challenges she's named are actual reasons why she can't do what she wants to do, why she can't live in accordance to her higher self. I didn't nod. I listened. By listening to her, I allowed her to listen to herself. It all made sense in her own head, but put another person there and suddenly she heard it from a different angle. The truth she was professing became merely a version of the truth, which is to say, a story. That story was the only thing standing between her and the life she wanted. Early exercises with their focus on pulling back the layers and coming clean were about speaking in tongue, letting whatever comes up come out. In religious terms, it means speaking under the spell of inspiration where the spirit overcomes a person, their eyes roll back, and they let themselves become a vessel for whatever energies come up. Oftentimes, what comes up is unintelligible through language, not words, but sounds and gestures. We use those exercises as a way of tapping our inner spring and getting to the source, which involves clearing the mud away in the form of internalized stories. Get those out, out of the way, so that you can get to the real stuff underneath. Speaking in prayer is less an exercise and more a practice. After one has tapped the source, felt and heard the difference, one realizes how much language can influence one's reality. These are abstract concepts that are challenging to explain directly instead of metaphorically. But I trust that if you've done the earlier exercises, you have an idea of what I'm talking about. That is, you're familiar with feelings that seem beyond words. I've heard that prayer is when you're speaking to God and meditation is when you're listening to God. In prayer, we put our thoughts, hearts, desires, and fears out into the universe so that the higher power can listen and bear witness. In meditation, we listen as though we've shouted into a canyon and wait for the echo to come back. My question is, in the eyes and the ears of God, aren't we always praying? If the Creator hears all, does it really matter whether we shout or whisper, whether we interlock our hands, whether we say something aloud or merely think it to ourselves? If God can detect even the tiniest of things, maybe the thought that our prayers are not answered actually reveals a darker wish? The word becomes flesh. Repeat that like a mantra. Say it again until it makes sense. Not necessarily logical sense, but heart sense, soul sense, until it catalyzes the creative being inside you to say, aha, or aho. Hear yourself speak. Watch yourself act. Observe yourself think. The word becomes flesh means that the things we say have the power to shape our reality. And not only the things we say aloud, but also the things we think, the things we say silently to ourselves. 
How would you speak if you knew that everything you said would be heard as a prayer? How would you think if you knew that your thoughts expressed your wishes? This idea springs from the questions and realizations above. Speak in a way that you want to be taken at your word. Speak in the manner in which you want to be heard. Speak as you would if you were standing in a courtroom under oath of the highest authority. Here's what that means specifically. Anything you didn't want in your life, speak about it in the past tense. Even if it was five minutes ago, five seconds ago, even if you are still feeling the undesirable feeling, the moment you open your mouth to speak, put it in the past. Technically, it is in the past because soon as you say it, it's over. The moment has passed. Conversely, the things you do want in your life, speak about them in the present. To go back to Anne, after she caught herself in a story, she repeated what she had said, but put it all in the past tense. She said, In the past, it was hard for me to express myself to my family because I allowed myself to worry that they wouldn't understand what I meant. I allowed myself to worry that they would think I was crazy or weird. I even allowed myself to imagine that their judgment of me came from their own fear that I was leaving them behind, so ultimately I felt sorry for them and held my tongue. Do you hear the difference between that and something like, I can't express myself because they won't understand, or I can't go polar plunging in the morning or hiking in the afternoon because I have to work? Putting it in the present tense shirks responsibility for decisions you yourself are making. Maybe in the past you couldn't go hiking because you had to work, which is to say because you chose to work, because you valued the security you got in health insurance and steady paychecks more than you valued the actual health and abundance you would have gotten from hiking. That's a totally different story with totally different implications. One is the language of power, the other, the language of poverty. One is the language of responsibility, which leads to acceptance, which leads to action. The other is the language of blame, which can lead to despair and inaction. For Anne, speaking about the challenges she faced in the past immediately raises the question of what she can do about it in the present. Before this retreat, I had a hard time expressing myself to my family because I imagined they didn't understand me. Now I see what it really was. In the past, I couldn't handle myself the way they understood me, the way they reacted to me, and this led to some anger on my part. Now, I am more aware of this tendency, and instead of shutting down, I can be more patient with myself and with them in my self-expression. If I observe feelings of anger come up in me, I can let them know about it, rather than do what I did in the past, which was to channel it in the form of scarcasm. In the past, I allowed my employment to limit my options. I allowed my job to dictate what I could and couldn't do. And now? Now, I know that's not necessarily the case. Now, rather than discredit the things I want, I take them seriously. I figure out ways to do those things with the job I have, if it's possible or if it's not, to either be okay with it or to make a change because there are infinite ways to get paid to pursue my passion. I can be creative with how I make my gifts valuable and available to other people. When I hear people speak in this way, I hear individuals who stand apart from their surroundings, individuals with integrity, meaning they are whole, unimpaired, of sound mind and body. 
When I speak this way myself, I establish that inch of breathing room, that inch of choice and eternity between me and my circumstances. Speaking in prayer, in addition to consciously distinguishing between past and present, is paying attention to words you use and letting go of the ones that no longer serve you.